Thanks, Evan. Uh, friends, let us pray. Our Father, please teach us by the power of your spirit as we look at your word of the centrality of what you have done for us in Jesus. Amen. Uh, friends, uh, we are embarking on a new sermon series on John's Gospel that goes for, I don't know, <laughs> many weeks. <laughs> uh, now, if I say Gotham City, uh, which fictional character springs to mind? Faster than a speeding bullet? Leaps tall buildings in a single bound? Defender of the oppressed, protector of the innocent? Fighter for justice, destroyer of evil? It is, of course, as you said, Superman. <laughs> but, <laughs> King Charles. Uh, but Superman is actually two people. He isn't always uh, dressed up in his bright and overly tight uh, leotard. <laughs> now, he presents to most people as mild-mannered Clark Kent, a very ordinary reporter of the Daily Planet newspaper. In the films... Uh, the world doesn't know his true identity, but we do. We know that when there is evil to be defeated or catastrophe avoided, he can always be relied upon to spring into action. Uh, the people of Gotham City, therefore, owe their continued well-being to Superman. They are in his debt for the work he does, keeping them safe from people like Catwoman, the Joker... Lex Luthor and the like. They know they can rely on him to maintain things and to protect them. And they trust him to keep on doing this. They wouldn't trust mild-mannered Clark Kent in the same way. They don't see him as Superman. They don't put the two together. They don't identify the one with the other. They don't recognise him for who he really is. They don't see that Superman and Clark Kent come together in the one person. If anything, people who really know him see him as having two separate identities. Now, in case you're wondering, illustrations <laughs> always break down at some point. And so I don't want to push this one too far, but when Jesus walked on this earth, most people, most people didn't know him for who he really was either. As the people didn't see Clark Kent as Superman, people also didn't recognise Jesus for who he was. They simply saw him as a man. A gifted man perhaps, but still a man. He was obviously gifted because of the things which other people couldn't do, like he turned water into wine. He healed incurable diseases. He casted out evil spirits. He calmed storms. You ever tried to do that? <laughs> he produced vast amounts of food from crumbs. He walked on water. He, well, he did lots of things which were quite out of the ordinary. Yet, they did not recognise him as God. What people saw was his humanness. Yes, that is a word. <laughs> you 
They saw him born out of a woman, just like the rest of us. They saw him flee with his parents from Herod's persecution. They saw him return to Nazareth and grow up to uh, grow there. They would have seen him at play with other children. They saw him go to the temple for the Passover feast, just like the rest of the 12-year-olds. There they were impressed by his knowledge and understanding. Dare I say, very impressed. Yet they didn't recognise him as God. They would have seen him get splinters in his hands as he learnt his carpenter's trade at his father's side. They saw him being baptised by John in the River Jordan. I've been there too, but I've been everywhere, haven't I? (laughs) Uh, They saw him walk the roads and get tired and dusty. They saw him eat, drink and sleep just like the rest of us. They saw him move to anger and move to compassion. They saw him pray and read the scriptures, just like we do. They saw him love. They saw him cry. They saw him in anguish. And they saw him bleed and die, just like any other human would do if they were whipped heaps, nailed to a cross, and then stabbed with a spear. Yes, as they looked up at him on the cross, for most of them, they would have seen a man. A man who had seemed to promise so much and yet in the end he had been no better than, no doubt, countless other men who had gone before him. Even those who might have viewed him as the promised Messiah, the social, political, military sort of Messiah as King David had been a thousand years beforehand, still only saw him as a man. Oh, they had hoped in him, a gifted man for their liberation from Roman oppression. Yet he died, and by so doing, proved to be just as vulnerable as any other man. A bit of a disappointment for them, really, I suppose. Jesus was a man, a vulnerable human being, just like you and me. As Kryptonite shows the Clark Kent Superman character to be vulnerable in his humanness, even to the point of death, so too does the cross show the man Jesus to be vulnerable in his humanness, even to the point of death. Jesus died as any man would die in the same circumstances. In the end, it seemed that he was powerless as the next man when it came to really changing things for the better. Jesus of Nazareth was a man, fully a man, and few, if any, if any, (laughs) recognised him for who he truly was during his earthly life. All they saw as they looked at the cross was the defeat of a man, And here's the crux of the problem that people had and continue to have with Jesus. As when people looked at the mild man at Clark Kent and they did not see him as Superman, 
So too, when people looked at the gifted man, Jesus, they did not see him as God. The first chapter of John's Gospel says as much. Uh, Evan read it to us. It says things like, He was in the world, but the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Sadly, people did not see him as God. Indeed, he was even accused of blasphemy. Blasphemy with an L. I know it was jet lag last week. Uh, Roger, you at least understand. <laughs> Indeed, he was even accused of blasphemy when he spoke to them about his true identity and laid claim, therefore, to his deity. They did not see that in Jesus, God became man and had now come to them. And they did not perceive that he had done this for the highest of high of all purposes. Indescribable. They did not see the victory of God in his death on the cross either. Luke tells us that the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said things like, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Luke 23:35. Never believing even for one moment that he could or would. So it's obvious from the Bible that they saw Jesus as a man and they did not see him as God. Friends, I'll put it to all of us today. Is the situation any, any different? Most people in the world have now heard of Jesus, and especially in the West. Maybe that is the reason why, generally speaking, God's favour seems to have moved on to other nations, other continents, such as Asia and Africa. Most people will have heard something of his life and his claims and yet most people, if they think about him at all, like the early Israelites, still look upon him as a man. A good man, perhaps, a gifted man, even a special man, but still only as a man. They might see him as a teacher, a prophet, perhaps even a man with super natural powers, but a man nevertheless. And of course, he was a man. <laughs> he was fully a man. I think that in Christian circles, this often gets forgotten when we look at Jesus, or at least placed on a lower level in our thinking. Because he is now the ascended Christ, we tend towards seeing him more as God and not seeing him clearly as fully man. I think it's, to fair, it's fair to say that we today now overstate his deity and understate his humanity. And maybe we need to work at getting a better balance ourselves. But having said that about Christians, we need to be sure that when we proclaim him to the world, 
For example, when we tell the five people of the truth this month, uh, people we've been praying about, please look at our website, we tell people that as well as being fully and truly man, Jesus is fully and truly God. But this seems to be a mystery to us. Well, it is to me. <laughs> and there's a good reason. It's called incarnation, which comes from the Latin word carnalis. This word means flesh, carnal. And incarnation literally means to embody in flesh. That is, the person of God embodied in the person of Jesus. That he was God is very clear. In John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we are told, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. But it's probably beyond our finite minds to comprehend how Jesus can be both fully human and fully God at the same time. And because we can't completely understand how this can be, this does not allow us to then argue that it is nonsense. Deciding that it cannot be just because it defies our puny logic is simply to be full of pride and arrogance. And so we can't debate God on this matter, on the matter of incarnation. We can't. To do so would be like a two-year-old child who can barely speak, telling a professor with three PhDs in quantum physics that his understanding of Einstein's equation E equals mc squared, uh, supporting the relativity theory, uh, is out by two thousands of a decimal point. <laughs> God's mind does not have our limits. It's not, inf it's not finite, but infinite. God's mind is capable of perceiving dimensions which are simply beyond us. So how the man Jesus can be God at the same time might be a mystery to our human understanding, but it is the clear and unambiguous teaching of the Bible. Our two Bible readings today from John chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1 clearly state that the man Jesus is also God. Firstly, they tell us this. There's three things. Uh, Jesus is the creator God. In the first three verses from John chapter 1, we are told, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Can't get much clearer than that. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Nothing. And it's backed up as one would expect in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For in him, that is in Jesus, all things were created. I guess that means everything. <laughs> yes, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Think about it. All things. Jesus is also the sustainer God. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, we're told that Jesus is before all things and in him all things... I remember reading this 
30 odd years ago when I became a follower of Jesus and understanding that Jesus holds everything together. In Jesus, everything gets held together. That's what Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 says. Jesus is the sustainer God. And then the third point, Jesus is also the redeemer God. Yes, Jesus is the God who redeems. He is the God who restores us as family members. From verse 12 in chapter, John chapter 1, we're told, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And from Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, we're told, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And how? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That the man Jesus is God is therefore foundational to Christianity. Our whole faith is grounded upon this profound truth. If the man Jesus was not God, Christianity collapses. I know I don't sleep, but I may as well have slept in. <laughs> and why? Because it is actually God who we have wronged. Compare Psalm 51 verse 4. And therefore it is God and only God who can ultimately redeem and forgive us. And how does God do this? He does it through himself in Jesus. In verse 22 from Colossians chapter 1 we're told, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Great verse. <laughs> you see, if Jesus is not God, then the revelation he brings is also not of God. If Jesus is not God, then the redemption he brings is, is powerless to forgive a single sin or save a single hair on your head. If Jesus is not God, then his death and atonement are irrelevancies. And if they are, then we are left in the blackest of despair, endlessly committed to the hopeless and impossible task of seeking to somehow justify ourselves before God. If Jesus is not God, then there is no suitable mediator to, present us, to, to represent us. A mediator needs to be someone who can sympathise with us as a man, and yet needs to be able to deal with the Father on our behalf on equal terms. If Jesus is not God, there is no gospel to proclaim. Uh, to convince people to believe in, and you and I therefore have no salvation, no assurance. But a Christian believes, I should believe, that he is God. His death on the cross was not a defeat. It was actually a victory. 
The first Adam was only a man and failed. The second Adam is God as well as man and he conquered completely. Friends, uh, whilst the image of Jesus as the blonde and uh, blue-eyed man pictured in Christian children's books might not be all that accurate, (laughs) because he was a Jew and no doubt had dark hair, dark eyes and dark skin, uh, these pictures nevertheless depict him as a man. And he truly walked on this earth as a man man but he also truly walked on this earth as God if he's only a man then you could not trust him with your salvation you could not trust him because if he were only a man he could not deliver at all he himself would be tainted by sin and therefore an unworthy sacrifice Even if he were Superman, (laughs) you could not trust him with your salvation. You could not trust him because even a Superman, he could not deliver. He might stumble over some kryptonite along the way and you would be lost, totally lost for good. The only person we can trust with our redemption, with our salvation, with our eternal life is God. And if Jesus was not God then we are gone for all money. If Jesus was not God, guess what? The Jews are right. The world is still awaiting a saviour, a messiah. Friends, I can still remember the first lesson in the Christianity Explained course that I did in 1988. I know that's way before some of your that's way before you Tony (laughs) 1988 that's why I can't do those songs (laughs) but I can still remember the first lesson in the Christianity Explained course that I did it puts it like this that Jesus is either a liar a lunatic or he was the Lord God there's no other alternatives and when you think about it he has to be one of those three And the clear and unambiguous teaching from the Bible is that he's neither a liar nor a lunatic. He's therefore the living Lord God. And because he is God, and only because he is God, guess what? We can trust him. We can therefore trust him with our earthly life, no matter what we're going through at the moment. And we can therefore trust him with our eternal life. The very first chapter of John certainly sums it all up. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Amen and amen to that indeed. Thank you all. Thanks, Steph.